It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is the More Money Show. This is WBC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States. Always a privilege and pleasure to speak to you every Saturday afternoon between 1 and 2 p.m. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful, beautiful fall weather. It's gorgeous all over the East Coast today. I, I'm broadcasting right um, outside of Washington, D.C., where the Fall foliage is in, still in full color here, so I hope you get out and really enjoy this uh, wonderful, wonderful time of the year. Incidentally, of course, Thursday is Thanksgiving, and uh, I just flew back from uh, Florida. I was in Palm Beach. I was last night. I was at Mar-a-Lago visiting you-know-who, uh, Donald J. Trump, who gave uh, an incredible speech. It was an amazing event with my friends at the American uh, America First Policy Institute. And Trump spoke, I think he spoke well over an hour. I kind of lost track of the time. But it was quite an inspiring speech, really comparing and contrasting what happened when Trump was president and his record versus what has happened under Biden. And it's it's compelling. You know, this has been one of the themes of this show. Uh, I know that we have Republicans, Democrats, and a lot of independents who listen to the show. Maybe some people haven't made up their mind about Trump. But I've always said, and this was, I think, the point that Trump was kind of making in a backhanded sort of way yesterday, last night, which is look at the man's record. You know, you don't have to look at his behavior. You don't have to look at some of his antics. Sometimes I roll my eyes when I hear some of the things Trump says. I'm not happy about what happened on January 6th. I, I know a lot of you aren't either. But boy, you look at his results and they're really quite astonishing. I mean, we had the biggest increase in income of any president in four years in history. The average income of the median income family, that's the people exactly in the middle, rose by six over $6,000. I don't remember the exact number, but over $6,000 in real terms adjusted for inflation. Remember, there wasn't much inflation under Trump. Uh, that compares with about a $3,000 reduction in income in the first three years under Biden. So that's a sharp contrast. Then he talked about what's happened with mortgage rates, that the mortgage rate was less than 3% when Trump left office. I think it was 2.9%. Now in most areas of the country, uh, you're looking at a 7.5% to 8% mortgage rate. And that makes a big difference in terms of people's ability to uh, uh, to afford a home. And then there's so many other statistics. I mentioned inflation. It was 2% when Trump left office. Now, the good news, it's come down to uh, about 3 or 4%. That's improvement. No question about it. By the way, the economy is in better shape today than it was a year ago. No question about it. And so that's some good news. Um, but th the prices are up 20%. Since Trump came into, I mean, since Trump left office, and that's that's a big increase. Uh, I always say on the show that my wife drags me to the grocery store with her because she wants me to see what things actually cost. Sometimes I'm in my, <coughs> excuse me, I'm in my ivory tower here uh, in uh, Washington D.C. and and uh, tapping at the computer and doing TV and radio interviews, and sometimes I don't actually see what's really happening and with prices. And every time I go, I'm just astounded at how much things cost. So uh, that's been something. Then uh, Trump really made a theme about 
American energy. And I, I, this is one I think is so straightforward. It is so obvious we should be producing more energy here at home. Everything. Why, let, why aren't we building nuclear plants in this country? Because somebody tell me, <laughs> really, I, don't, I asked my, maybe, you know, we're going to have some time. I'm going to save about 15 minutes at the end of the show today. So I will take your calls. I want to, I love, love listening to what you have to say. This is freedom of speech radio. So I love to hear from people who disagree with me. So if you disagree with me, I'm going to have the producer put you front of the line because I love to hear differing opinions. But my opinion is this makes no sense. It is incomprehensible um, that we would dismantle our oil and gas and coal industry when all the other countries are producing more and more of it. Even even the Europeans have moved away from green energy. It doesn't work. Incidentally, I mentioned this last week, but most of these green energy companies are doing very, very poorly. Their stock has fallen in some cases by more than 50%. Their costs are rising. You saw what's happening in some of these northeastern states, these blue northeastern states where the offshore wind farms are not making money and they may have to give up on those. Meanwhile, the, re the rest of the world's using more oil, gas, and coal than, any, than ever before. In 2023, the world will use more fossil fuels than ever before in the history of the planet. So does that sound to you folks like there's some kind of uh, green energy transition that's moving the world away from fossil fuels when we're more using it more, than, uh, more of it than ever? All we're doing but not producing it here at home is we're reducing our GDP and our output, but we're also becoming obviously more dependent on countries that hate us. And that includes uh, Russia, and that includes you, uh, the, um, the Iranians, and of course it includes Venezuela and other bad actors in the world. It makes no sense that we would actually put money into their pockets. I mean, it's like giving a gun, to, you know, a machine gun to somebody you're in a gunfight with. It, may, it doesn't make any sense. And then even from an environmental perspective, I'm right, working on a paper right now on this, that it turns out that even by dismantling U.S. energy, we're actually increasing increasing greenhouse gas emissions and carbon emissions. I'm not so sure carbon emissions are bad for the planet, but let's say they are. We're actually increasing them because when we, first of all, our uh, environmental protections are far stricter than just about any other country in the world. We also have very clean coal. We have clean uh, natural gas and, and we have the cleanest oil in the world. So we're, we're not making a dent in terms of the, uh, carbon emissions by shutting down our oil and gas. Now, something else that Trump mentioned, of course, was the border. And, you know, he was right that you remember back, it seems like a long time ago, not so long ago, three years ago, we, you know, the border was pretty secure. It wasn't completely sealed up, but it was pretty secure. And now what you've seen is a fivefold increase in the number of illegal immigrants coming into the country. And it's putting strain on the budgets of every major city in the country, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Sacramento. Uh, you look at what's happening in Portland, Seattle, Chicago. Most of you listening to this show are in the New York area. New York City's budget is being strained. I, I get a laugh out of all these mayors like Eric Adams. And uh, I'm from, as many of you know, I'm from Chicago. They've uh, tragically elected a Marxist who is their mayor uh, named Brandon Johnson. And they, oh, my gosh, we're sanctuary cities. We want all the illegal immigrants to come to our city. We're going to take care of you. Now, all of a sudden, all these mayors are saying, um, um, Washington, 
Can you please pay the bill for all these illegal immigrants? Because they're, ru- they're ruining the cities. And I got I'm, I'm not even blaming the migrants. A lot of these are just hardworking people looking for a better life. They're they're leaving countries that are complete mess. You know, many of them socialist countries. And they want to come to America to make a better life. And, and look, God love them for that. But we can't have an unsealed border. We have to know who's coming into the country. And we have to make sure that we're not importing terrorists and people with fentanyl and all these other issues. Now, I, there's something else that is the top of my, by the way, I think the main point I'm making about Trump, he's got his game face on, guys. I, I worked for Donald Trump on his campaign in 2016. And when he gets focused, as he is right now, when he gets his message down, when he stops complaining about the election being stolen, I mean, he made a he made a few references to that. But when he talks about issues, the guy's great. I mean, the, the stuff that he did in terms of, uh, you know, forcing other countries to pay their bills. I love that. You got to love that. He forced the NATO countries to pay more. You know, we're, we're tired of being I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'm tired of the United States being the, the world's piggy bank. You know, and, and so is it any wonder that we're the. Right now, turning into the most indebted country, we're paying everybody's bills. And Joe Biden goes all over the world like Daddy Warbucks and passing out $100 bills to anybody who wants one. And that's your and my money, folks. So, you know, we can't possibly have four more years of this. Come on. Even if you're a Democrat, you have to admit four more years of this would be quite tragic for our country. But I want to switch to another point. Um I, I'm, I'm disgusted with corporate America right now. And look, I'm a free market guy. I defend corporations all the time. I don't like the corporate bashing, but would you w- stay with me on this? I'm going to I'm going to uh, bash some of these corporations right now because I thought what happened uh, these last few days in San Francisco with President Xi coming and basically Joe Biden genuflecting in front of uh, President Xi was outrageous, uh, given that. President Xi is a thug. Uh, We are uh, in a situation right now where he is a dictator. And by the way, let me just as an aside, they're good editorial in the Wall Street Journal today. So I'll give a little praise for um, for Biden that he did. He did say that uh, uh, Xi is a dictator because he is. And there's no denying that there's no open elections in China. It's sad because for 20 years from 1980 to about 2025, about 25 years, uh, China did move aggressively in a freedom free market direction. That's how China became an economic powerhouse. But folks, for the last 15 years, they've been moving aggressively uh, uh, opposed to those policies, becoming more militaristic, becoming more communist, become their human rights violations are epic. And um, we've got to call them out on that. Uh, they are likely, in my opinion, sometime in the next five or six or seven years to uh, try to take over Taiwan. They've ruined Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong used to be the mecca of free enterprise in the world today. And what's happened there is people are leaving. You know, it used to be a place where Asians would all go to. Now they're seeing the, you know, the fist of uh, the China dictators over their policies. So that's a sad situation there. But then, and then let's talk about economics. You've got a situation where the Chinese are not playing by the rules. And I'm a free trade guy. I believe in the benefits of free trade. And I believe that we should have reciprocity, though. And the Chinese are are cheating and stealing and lying about it. And they steal our technology and they're still doing it. Trump made some improvements, no question about it. But Biden then just rolled over. And it would, I just, as an American, uh, this time of year, Thanksgiving, by the way, is my favorite uh, favorite time of the year because it's so wonderful that we have a long weekend to give praise and thanks to this great, great, great country endowed with more 
resources than any other country and the greatest people on the planet and the greatest um, country that ever was, at least for now. <laughs> if we stay on this direction, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Um, and so uh, I, wa- I want to hear from you all about this. What do you think about what China did? Uh, you know, how uh, Biden dealt with China and also what happened with these corporate leaders where they're basically giving President Xi a standing ovation. <laughs> and why? They want the money. They want the China money. And I just look, I'm a patriotic guy. And I think, you know, look, companies are in business to make money. But what a deal with the devil these companies are making. And it just reminds me so much of, you know, companies that were selling the iron and the steel and the uh, weapons to Germany circa 1936, 37, 38 that were then used against us. How close, how dumb are these leaders? And, you know, it's all the major companies. I think even, I think Elon Musk, wasn't he? Elon Musk was one of them. And I, I like Elon Musk, but all these other guys from BlackRock and Blackstone and all the JP Morgan and Google. Oh, wow. He's so fantastic. How do you give a standing ovation to a thug? So I'm angry about that. I want to hear if you are too. My producer is saying I'm out of time. We've got to take a break. We've got a great show, by the way. Uh, my good friend, uh, John Fund, who's one of the top political minds, is going to come on with us again today to talk about what's happening politically. Of course, in the next section, we'll turn to Ryan and Bob Payne to find out what's going on in the financial markets. This is the More Money Show, folks. This is WABC. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne here from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E on the More Money Show, talking to the markets, the economy, financial planning, and Bob, man, oh, man, when, it, when the market gets hot, it gets really hot. Yeah, hey, Ryan, three weeks in a row now, we've been on a relentless rally. I like the fact that, uh, you know, Jerome Powell says higher for longer. Did he mean stock prices or was he talking about interest <laughs> rates? Well, it's kind of remarkable because... You know, you said your market commentary today. I mean, we literally had the market sell for three months, lost about 10% of its value on the S&P 500. In a matter of three weeks, we gained it all back, which, you know, speaks to just how hard it is to try to game the market. I mean, everyone got so negative. Um, and, you know, if you just looked at all the economic data, we're going to go into recession again next year. And then all of a sudden, everything turned on a dime. The sentiment turned on a dime. And the market's just obviously... I've had a magnificent run over the course of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they really have, right? You know, as you and I have discussed a couple of weeks ago, we said, hey, look at all the good news. But the market was looking at it and viewing it as bad news. You know, what we had happened in the last three weeks is investors are finally going and looking at good news going, wow, that's really good news. Like, how about <laughs> with earnings per share you know, record or probably going to hit an uh, earnings per share record right this quarter? With base what's been reported so far, you know, so far this year. Yeah, I mean, some of the information we gleaned this past week is the death of the consumer was greatly exaggerated, and I get it. You know, people, were, no one's happy about higher prices, and everyone's feeling it. You know, we've had real inflation over the course of the last year or so, but it hasn't stopped people from spending money, and I think that's the key. It's like Americans are they're complaining about higher prices, but they're still spending, and as we know, that's what drives the U.S. economy. And now we had some inflation data this week that was really good. We know inflation's coming down. It's moderating even further. And based on the data you and I are looking at, it probably will keep coming down into next year. And if you have wages staying strong because the labor market's tight and you have inflation coming down, that's a pretty good economy 
not to go into recession next year. Yeah, but you know, Rye, I turn on the financial news and day in and day out, you get these perma bears, you get these pessimists, and all they tell you about how there's good news is really bad news. But I think, you know, for the their bear story to, to, to you know, to come, come out, uh, you know, you really have to go into a recession. But, you know, the economy has shown extreme resilience, the consumer extreme exhilarance. There's lots of job openings, right? There's still lots of opportunity out there. So it doesn't look like, right, we're going to have what these economists have been praying for, which is a recession in a bear market. I think we're headed, setting up for a pretty good finish for the year and a good one for next year. Bob, I love your optimism. Um, in addition to that, I mean, we had oil prices come down a lot over the course of the last couple of weeks. And again, that's a huge tax break for the global economy, right? So there's a lot of what we would call tailwinds um, that, are, that are starting to line up in a really, really good way. And I think, you know, this is what's important because now everyone was talking about is the Fed going to raise rates further? Now we're talking about when is the Fed going to cut interest rates? And this is really important because if you're sitting in cash and you're getting that 5% on your money market fund, well, if the Fed starts cutting interest rates next year, that 5% is going away. And this is one of the reasons we've been so adamant about you got to start thinking about your investment strategy now. You can't just hide out in cash because those 5% rates, they're probably not going to be here forever. They're probably going to be transitory, Bob. Yeah, I think so, Ryan. I mean, right now we already have the reported inflation. We had a tremendous CPI number last week and PPI number for Anyone who's bullish on the market, it was great news. Um, so what's happening now is that, you know, inflation is moderating. And um, when you have, you know, the inflation number below what the uh, two-year and the five-year treasury are yielding, you know, historically it means that those yields are going to come down. And if you like 5% or 4%, well, you know, lock it in. Don't just get it for three days or three months. Get it, you know, lock it in for a couple of years. There's, there's terrific race to be had, best we've had in 17 years, right? Well, the other, you know, the other comment you had made, too, a couple of weeks ago is, look, markets don't settle down, they settle up. So I think the conventional wisdom has been, well, I'll just hide out in cash, I'll wait for things to settle down, and then I'll move my money elsewhere. But you can see here, uh, just in the last three weeks, you know, markets don't wait for you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a huge move that we've seen up here in the last couple of weeks. So I think, I think the bottom line is don't wait. If you're a long-term investor, you're trying to invest your money for retirement, um, you know, cash is still trash. Even though it's a great rate, it's not going to last. And meanwhile, you can lock in a 16-year uh, record highs and or not record highs, but 16-year highs in bond yields. Um, and the market, as a longer-term investment, it's a good time to start buying now. You've got to get your long-term strategy in place today. You can't procrastinate on it, Bob. No, you really can't, Rye, because it's a uh... You know, like the market, like you said, you can't love the market because the market doesn't love you back, but it also doesn't wait for you. You know, it's, uh, you know, the old Bobism is what I say is like, you know, invest in the markets you have, not the markets you want. And of course, the last uh, three months was a prime example. We had a classic correction, great buying opportunity. Uh, most of the conversations I had with people was like, Bob, what can I sell? Like, what? Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's what it comes down to, too, is like, yeah, I mean, even the housing data this week was stronger than expected. And it's like, you know, the old Bob Dylan quote, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. <laughs> and what we're, we're learning is all the economic data is coming in better than expected, which is pointing to we have a much more resilient economy than was anticipated. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but you've got to position yourself to take advantage of the fact that the world's not going to end very often. Last time I checked anyway, Bob. Yeah, you know, I've read so many articles about it's, uh, you know, the death of the conservative balance portfolio because it had a down year last year. 
I mean, you know, when prices are down, the opportunity goes up. Expected rate of return goes up when you pay lower prices. So right now, the yields are good on the bond in the bond market. Uh, stocks are priced, you know, to continue in this bull market. In my opinion, Rye, I think you have to be invested, but you got to be invested based on your goals. And that's a lot different than just, you know, throwing money at the market. Yeah, and if you're thinking yourself right now, okay, Bob and Ryan, I get it. <laughs> your optimism, it's annoying, but you're right. Um, I need to get a plan together for my retirement. Well, here's your shot to do it. If you've saved over a million dollars, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we're going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it, one, run, one right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money? How do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. You need to factor that into your income plan. We're going to build for you your own dynamic income plan. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been all over the place for the last two years. Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo too? Or have you been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, tie it to your goals, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Markets love to sell you. Wall Street loves to sell you high cost, tax inefficient products, whether it's an annuity mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own. We'll show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get Bob and I's full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or, you know, you can just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-P-L-A-N-N-Y-C. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost involved. No other firm will do this for the, this work for you up front. But if you're not one of our next 10 callers, you're going to lose out. So it's 844 752 6692. That's 844 752 6692. Or just simply call 844 PLAN NYC. That's 844 PLAN NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P A Y N E, um, we spend most of our time just literally helping people with their financial planning, retirement planning, how they can live off their portfolio in retirement. And, you know, one of the things that we see, we find a lot of times, one of the biggest, I would say, detriments to you getting the financial independence and living off your portfolio is overconfidence. The ego can get in the way and a lot of the blind spots that you have can really, really end up costing you when it comes to your retirement plan. You know, Rye is a uh, you know, good strategist and somebody who's been studying the markets for over 50 years. You know, I can see what happens sometimes when I pick up the Wall Street Journal or I pick up Barron's uh, or I'm watching the news. I only read the articles that agree with my current opinion at the time it's you know it's just human nature so you know it, you tend not to be as um you know harsh on on your actions in a portfolio when you're managing yourself because i think that's the biggest problem right overconfidence is well and i think problem. you know you have a famous saying bob it's uh don't confuse brains with a bull market sometimes yeah. we think we're doing really well but it's just the fact that the markets are going up 
And a lot of us learned this, learned this last year. We didn't know we had all this risk in our portfolio until the market sold off big last year. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. I thought I had a conservative portfolio, right? It was a big wake-up call. And the problem is, as you like to say, is risk is only known in hindsight. You, know, you don't know how much risk you have in your portfolio because you don't know what you don't know until all of a sudden, everything falls off a cliff. Yeah, it's so important to manage that risk in your portfolio and proactively. Yeah, it's because, you know, I, I find a, a lot of folks that are, that are new to paying capital, they came in with an investment plan. Uh, well, if I have $2 million when I retire, then I'm set. Um, and, you know, it, we learned with inflation going up to 9% last year, I arrived, you don't have a financial plan, you're not going to be able to navigate those, those rocky waters very well. Yeah, well, that's true because it's not about like, do I have uh, $10 million, $5 million, $2 million, whatever it is. It's really about, do you know what income you need? And is your portfolio going to be able to fund that income factoring in inflation, right? Because if you need $100,000 today to live on, well, that's going to be 200000 over the next 20 years. And you really have to account for that in your plan. So not just having an income plan, but we like to call your dynamic income plan that factors in your cost of livings going up. And this is one of the big problems with those annuities, right? You get this fixed income for life. Sounds great, but it's the same amount of money coming in year after year. Meanwhile, Bob, your expenses are going higher. Yeah, they absolutely are, right? It's, um, you know, and the market always tends to confound the majority opinion of the time. So, you know, a lot of, you know, do-it-yourselfers or, or folks who have a lot of say in their investing, you know, they like to look at the prior track role. Well, what did the best in the last three years, the last five years, last 10 years? That's where I want to put my money. But typically, you know, what you're doing is you're following the crowd. You're buying after the, the rise already happened. And, you know, I think in, investing's tough. So you got to make sure that, you know, you're not emotionally attached. You got to be dispassionate and make sure you're looking at the numbers and, and your own performance. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, you know, the other thing is you have to think about is, you know, what do I own? Do I have a portfolio that is there built for my goals? Or do I have a collection of investments or products that someone sold me? <laughs> and I think this is what happens to a lot of us is we're in that wealth accumulation stage where it doesn't really matter, right? You're, you're working, working, you're socking the money away, you're putting it all different investments, uh, but you're not really thinking about, I actually have to live off this money someday. And this is what happens when you go from what we call that wealth accumulation stage, that wealth distribution stage, is all of a sudden now you need to live off the land and you have to figure out how to actually draw from your portfolio. I mean, I would argue a lot of the portfolios that you have in place right now, they're not really there to achieve your goals, right? Um, they're, they're not there to solve that problem. And then you end up with just lots of different investments and different accounts, and they're not working together. And I think that's a big mistake that most of us make when we're getting into the, the financial red zone, ready to retire. No, I, could, I couldn't agree more, right? I think the problem is most of you don't have an income plan. You don't understand what the income is going to be generated. And you know, some of you are still working. I mean, when, you, when you're thinking in terms of retirement, all of a sudden that paycheck's not coming in, um, you know, bi-weekly or weekly. Makes a big difference. Um, so I think, you know, when you, when you, that old expression is you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. You know, you don't want to find yeah. that that happens with your portfolio. I've seen too many leveraged investments that blow up and you get a real education, but you don't have any money left. That, that, that's, it, you know, that's not something we want to see happen, right? No, and I think last year was a great wake-up call because I think a lot of us realized, like, wait a second, I don't know if this is the right portfolio. And a lot of times we don't really understand what we own. Yeah, you know, how many times are you sold a product 
from a financial services firm and you're like, I think this works. A lot of times annuities can be like that where it's done it so good when they gave me that pitch, but I have no idea why I own this. <laughs> you know, I've heard that so many times. It's uh, like the old saying, it's like Chinese food, right? It tastes so good going down, then you feel so empty later. And I think that's how a lot of financial products are sold. So it's so important that first, number one, don't put the cart for the horse. You have to figure out again, like, okay, this is what I have right now. Uh, this is what I need to live on realistically in retirement. This is what inflation looks like. And then you reverse engineer back and then you structure a portfolio around that. But if you're doing it the other way, man, oh man, it's just so haphazard. And there's so many things that go wrong about from our experience. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right about that, right? It's, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, hindsight is 2020, but the, the problem with investing and, and getting overconfident is the more success you have, you think the better the investment is, but it turns out as that value goes up in valuation becomes, you know, relatively more risky. So you always have to be, you know, weeding, you know, the weeds out of your garden, right? You can't allow the weeds to take over and you can't allow to have yeah. something in your portfolio where you don't understand what's its purpose. Yeah, I think the key is you have to ask yourself, what can go wrong? And I mean, that's where our experience has been doing this for so many years is like, that's all we think about is how could this get screwed up, <laughs> right? Yep. So that's the analysis you have to run. It's not about getting all the upside. It's about protecting yourself on the downside so you can stay retired, whether it's for 20 years, 30 years. But these are the numbers you have to run. The risk management is so critical. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, that's what I needed. I have no idea what my blind spots are. I'm getting close to retirement. I'm retired now. I need to figure out what to do. Well, here's your shot to do it. We still have five slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally will look at everything. No other firm out there is going to do this. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement, how do you take social security? How do you draw from your portfolio in the most optimal way so you don't run out of money? We're going to build a dynamic income plan, show you how to live off your portfolio, and we're going to look at diversification. Markets have been like a yo-yo the last couple of years. Has your portfolio been up and down, extremely volatile, or have you been sitting in cash? Paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan show you how to grow your wealth, tie it to your goals, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high cost, tax inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. Bob and I will do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have five slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Don't miss out. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or, hey, just simply call us at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own total financial master plan. So there's no cost. There's strings attached. No other firm will do this work for you. So don't miss out. If you're one of our next five callers, all you have to do is call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 
A-N-N-Y-C. Hey, if you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, again, P-A-Y-N-E, simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Mm-hmm. New York's home for entertaining talk. Streaming now on your smart speaker. Just say, Play 77 WABC. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist. Here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, markets rose for the third consecutive week. The S&P 500 added 2.2%, while the NASDAQ rose 2.4%, and the Dow followed with a 1.9% advance. These gains were sparked by tame U.S. inflation data that gave hope to investors that the Federal Reserve is done tightening and will actually be lowering interest rates sometime next year. Stocks have been on a tear this month. So far in November, the S&P 500 is up 7.6%, while the Dow has a 5.7% gain, and the tech-heavy NASDAQ has led the way up an amazing 10% for the month. As the old floor broker, a guy named Old Turkey from the classic investment book, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, when asked what to do with the market, he would simply say, you know, it's a bull market. And in spite of the extreme volatility we've experienced lately, this market seems to be following the classic pattern of a bull market. Current bull run started way back in October of 2022. That's over a year ago when the market bottomed. We started 2023 with a positive January barometer. The S&P 500 was up over 6% in January. And historically, when the market's up in January, it finishes up for the year. This year is also the third year of a presidential cycle, which tends to be the best of the four years of a presidential term. And seasonality is now a tailwind and not the headwind it was in October and September, which followed the script and were down months, as they tend to be. But they set the stage for the substantial rally we've experienced so far in November. This is why investing is so hard, especially if you're trying to time the markets. We went from three straight months of declining markets to three straight weeks of relentless rally to the upside. Just proof in my mind, once again, that time in the market always beats timing the market. Hey, my son, Ryan, and I, we have over 75 years of combined industry experience building low-cost, tax-efficient, gold-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. 6692, or you can just simply call us at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist of Payne Capital Management. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Pre-Thanksgiving weekend, this kind of feels like it's almost gotten to be like it's Thanksgiving week now, doesn't it? And it, it uh, you know, it's a great, great country. We have a lot to be thankful for. I, 
I uh, I hate to say the old saying, but, you know, America, love it or leave it. And by the way, wouldn't this be a better country if the people who don't love our country left? <laughs> I mean, just think of how wonderful this country might be if we got rid of the people who uh, who think that we're the uh, worst country in the world, not the best. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about politics and we're going to talk a little bit about business. Uh, that's the theme of this show, how you can make more money. And so I'm uh, very pleased to have two great guests um, and uh, they're both good friends as well. John Fund is one of the top political analysts in the country. He works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He and I also worked together for many, many years at the Wall Street Journal editorial board. Uh, and so he's written many, many books, including Stealing Elections and and others. So, John, thanks for joining. And then we have my great, great friend, uh, Alfredo, Alfredo Ortiz, who runs the Job Creators Network. They just had a wonderful, wonderful gala about two weeks ago um, in Florida with Bernie Marcus. You all know Bernie. He is the founder of, well, co-founder of uh, Home Depot and just an amazing man. I think he's what, Alfredo, 94, 95. Why don't you, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Bernie Marcus. He had so many wonderful things to say about you, Alfredo, but he is a legend. He's an icon. He really is, Steve. And uh, thank you very much for having me. And John, uh, it was also a pleasure seeing you at the event. So the two of you were such a hit. And I have to tell you, Steve, you were on the economics panel, by the way, uh, moderated by Charlie Gasparino. We had not only you, the great Steve Moore, but we had the great Steve Forbes. Uh, we had Grover Norquist from American uh, Americans for Tax Reform, and uh, Congressman Dave Brad, who is now the uh, dean of the Business School of Liberty. And yeah. I have to tell you, you guys were an absolute hit. I kept yeah. having people <laughs> come up to me and say, "We can listen to these guys for another hour." <laughs> I mean, they yeah. loved it. They you loved know, you got some crazy people when they want to hear more and more about economics for hours and hours. <laughs> but it, no, it was a lot of on. fun. They wanted to hear more and more. <laughs> I mean, that's what they wanted. Um, well, it was it was so, a wonderful event. So, tell us about Bernie, though, because I just think the guy is one of the great, you know, heroes of the 20th century. Yeah, he really is. Look, I mean, an amazing man, 94 years old. Uh, and I have to tell you, he has the, the, the mind of a 60-year-old and the energy of a 30-year-old. Uh, but, uh, you know, he has done more, I think, to try to uh, fight for capitalism, free enterprise, and entrepreneurship in this country than anybody that I know of. Yeah, right. Um, and really amazing. Uh, not to mention the philanthropic arm that he has. It's just amazing. A true, a true servant heart, a true servant leader. And yes. Um, yes. You know, he obviously started Home Depot at 54 after being fired. So I always tell people, hey, you know what? We still have hope, right? For anybody who's been fired from a job in their 50s, you could be the next Bernie Marcus. I mean, it's yes. amazing. But you go back to his early youth. I mean, he, he he grew up in New Jersey in the tenements. He used to hang around with, yep. with you know, uh, black gangs, you know, just to survive. Right. Uh, right. Fast forward to where he is today. It's just truly an American dream story. So one thing that he said, and I'll get to John Fund in just one minute, but uh, well, two things. One is that he uh, he gave us a, a, a call to action, didn't he? he? You know, he said, "Look, our country yeah. is headed in the wrong direction," and I think if you would amplify on on that, because you're running the most important small business organization in America, the Job Creators Network. But um, he, I've heard him say in the past, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, because you know Bernie a lot better than I do. He was saying that he, under the current kind of regulations in Washington and the states, he he told me he didn't think he could start 
Home Depot today, given all the all the regulatory hurdles that government puts you through? Yeah, absolutely. And he always says that he was he says it would be absolutely impossible, actually, for him to be able to recreate the success of the Home Depot if he had to do it in the current environment. Um, you know, that that's scary. Today. That's and scary. It, it, it's very scary. In fact, I actually had uh, a lunch uh, just just yesterday uh, with somebody who, you know, well, uh, founder of uh, the famous uh, Conair uh, uh, business, uh, Lee Risotto, um, who actually said the exact same thing. His family wouldn't have been able to been successful yeah. it is under the current yep. environment. And so yeah. we have to we have to break down what yeah. this administration is doing in terms of this war on small business. Or you know what, Steve? We won't have a country. 33 yep. million small businesses employ 60 million people. We're dependent on the success of their uh, of the success of these small businesses because they're the backbone of our country. Without them, there is no country. Yeah. So, John Fund, um, I was uh, at a di- another dinner in Florida last night at, at Mar-a-Lago. I was telling our listeners this at the top of the show. And, of course, you know who the guest speaker was, uh, John. Uh, it was Donald J. Trump, and he spoke for well over an hour. I thought he really had his game face on. Uh, you know, he was funny. He was um, very engaged. And uh he didn't talk too much about the election being stolen. He met, he did mention it a couple of times. But, John, you know, I just want your assessment of where this presidential race stands. Uh, and maybe I'll ask you this question, because I think and tell me if you think I'm wrong on this. I think it's more likely that Joe Biden will not be the Democratic nominee than that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the contrast between the two in terms of energy and uh, commitment to uh, engaging on the issues is obvious. Yeah. Uh, having said that, uh, the Democrats, of course, have to figure out a way to get rid of Joe Biden uh, because he's clearly trailing <laughs> Donald <laughs> Trump dramatically. Right. He trails every Republican candidate dramatically. So they want to they want to substitute, you know, a Gavin Newsom or Governor Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan. Uh, of course, they have to figure out a, something to do with Kamala Harris. By the way, let me just interrupt you for one second, John, because one of the guys I was speaking to last night is a a mutual friend, Ralph Reed. And I said, I think they're not going to run Biden. He he just said, no, they're they're stuck with Biden. And he didn't think they could get rid of him. But you're saying you think they can. Democrats are the most ruthless people on the planet when it comes to throwing people under the bus. They invented the bus that people are thrown under. (laughs) <laughs> Having said that, look, Trump is clearly the front runner for the Republican nomination. Um, but, you know, he is such a front runner that he really, really has to try to start uniting the party. And the way to unite yeah. the party is, you know, don't go attack the clerk at the at the trial where you're being, uh, yeah. you know, indicted. Don't yep. do these things. Yeah. And uh, because I tell you, <laughs> regardless of who the Democrats put up. I think Trump can win, but it's going to be very close, and you yeah. don't want to unnecessarily yeah. alienate people. You don't have to. Boy, is that true. Um, so uh, before I get back to Alfredo, uh, who would you think would be the likely nominee? Everybody's talking about your good friend Gavin Newsom of California, where you hail from, John. But do you think Gavin Newsom would be a tough candidate for Republicans to run against? Uh 
he's charming and delightful. On the other hand, he has a horrible story in California. California yeah. has basically become uh, a place where people flee from, not a, yes. not, a, not try yes. to get into. Yes. The real problem, Steve, is this. If you're going to get rid of Kamala Harris, who's black and a woman, uh, I don't think replacing her with a white male is going to make the Democratic Party <laughs> very happy. Because they so, believe in identity politics, right? That's one they, of their core. They invented identity politics. Yeah. Right. That's why the smart money is on Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. But they still, I don't know how they get rid of Kamala because she's yeah. not moving on her own accord. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Alfredo, um, contrast, uh, you know, um, the Donald Trump's approach to the way he uh, related to small business versus Joe Biden. Steve, it's not even a comparison. I mean, okay. <laughs> the one thing that President Trump absolutely understood, and I don't know if it's because of where he came from in industry and working with so many contractors and you know the the, the construction industry and stuff like that, but he truly understood small businesses. I mean, he went push for the tax cuts for, uh, you know, for small businesses, which, as you know, we did as well. And with your help, I mean, frankly, you know, we, we worked harder probably than most people ever had uh, really trying to get that small business tax cut across the line. Um, and it was so important, as you know, to make sure that small businesses had the success they did in Donald Trump. Um, and he, but he got that small business tax cuts, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the immediate expensing, for example, for, for depreciation, which is yeah. so important. Uh, was such a huge boom for small business. I mean, no small business did better than under Donald Trump. And I mean, I'll tell you, Hispanic businesses, for example, did extremely well under Donald Trump. And that's the one thing I have to tell you. You've seen a lot of being written up about the shift of Hispanics over from away from the Democrats to the Republicans. It's because they saw, they experienced what happened under the Trump administration and the Trump yeah. presidency. An amazing boom from their businesses to their personal wealth. And now they're seeing it all collapse under this administration. So truly, Steve, there is absolutely no comparison. Hands down, this current administration, President Biden, does not understand small business or, frankly, understands how important small business is and hates them and wants to. I agree with that. So I wanted to uh, ask you both about uh, uh, what happened when President Xi came to town. (laughs) And I, I told our audience earlier in my opening remarks that I was just disgusted by this. You know, I think that President Xi uh, is a dictator. I think he's uh, a thug. I think he is uh, a liar or a cheater or a stealer. And, and he's turned China away from the freedom movement. And I don't understand, John Fund, why it is these all these uh, business leaders and corporate leaders, uh, including Elon Musk and others, were basically, you know, it was it was a, a, a celebration. And they gave him a standing ovation, John, and I'm disgusted by that. What do you say? Steve, the biggest myth in American business overseas is the China market, that we can right. go into China and we can make a ton of money. Well, right. even if you're right, then you have to get it out of China. <laughs> an American businessman right. and woman has been able to do that consistently for several years. So I, I think China is like a great mirage of the desert. You know, everybody lunges yeah. for it, everybody grafts for it, but it, it's ultimately a completely closed society where they set the rules and they break the rules with impunity. 
And uh, what what is your thinking about this, Alfredo? Because you represent so many of the small businesses, and you know they they steal our technologies. They they don't you know they put, impose huge tariffs on our goods and services when we try to send it over there. Uh, and you know Trump wants a reciprocity arrangement with them, but um, uh, Joe Biden practically you know, genuflected in front of President Xi. And I, I think that's a big problem uh, in terms of Americans' leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's interesting because, you know, President Trump talked about last night at the dinner, um, you know, uh, over there in Mar-a-Lago about, you know, his relationship with Xi and also, uh, uh, you know, Rocket Man, uh, you know, our, our, our <laughs> North, North, North Korean uh, dictator. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, I think President Trump, the difference here is that I think President Trump operates on this idea that keep your friends close to your enemies closer. Yes. Right? Yes. Very different than let's genuflect yes. in front of your enemies. And that's what this administration does. And so I think it's a big difference. One is make sure that your enemies understand that we're watching you. And in the end, we can crush you if we want to. Right? Um, whereas this administration, this President Biden, just doesn't get that. John, there was a very, very famous um, historical moment uh, in the 19, uh, I think it was the early 1960s. I think uh, JFK was president. It might have been in the last years of the Eisenhower administration when Khrushchev came to the United States. And uh, I don't know if you remember this but or in your history books, but when Khrushchev left, you know, he said, we, we will bury you. And, you know, because the United States seemed weak at that time. And uh, I, I just think weakness is provocative. And it just seems to me everything that Biden is doing in international relations with countries like China is talking about climate change. And it seems to me they don't care about climate change. They're trying to take over the world. Our adversaries view our obsession with climate change like a gift. Right. The world to the world's <laughs> yeah. most powerful country, right. so debased and humble itself. By worrying about something which all of us agree, yes, new technology can make the world cleaner. New technology can help. But to destroy your own economy in the process of doing (laughs) that with extreme and outrageous regulations and, and, I mean, getting rid of of leaf blowers and heat and and (laughs) gas ovens, I mean, they 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 can't – I'm sure they sit there and say – what what strange cargo cult religion do these people worship? We've never seen anything like this. Yeah, we've only got two minutes left, uh, Alfredo. But I, w- I wonder if you have anything to add about this, because, uh, you know, I just want America to be projecting strength. And, and Trump said this last night. He said, I think he said, I don't want to put words. I thought he said, you know, I don't care if they you know, like me, I just want to make sure they fear me. <laughs> and uh, so what is your feeling about this? And, and how, what is the mood right now of small businesses? Well, you know, first of all, right now, let me answer that one. The mood among small businesses is concern. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, obviously still fighting inflation. And as much as yep. Biden goes around touting Bidenonics, which, by the way, Steve, I have to tell you, I was giddy when, when Biden went around starting to decide to brand his failure. Right. Yeah. I've never seen such a thing. I mean, talking about a marketing disaster. I mean, yes, there's the Bud Light thing. But I have to tell you, this might be next to the <laughs> introduction of right. new Coke, the biggest marketing blunder you'll ever see in history. Yeah, well put. Literally going around the country touting this failure yeah. and branding it by the nomics. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's uh, talk about leading with your chin. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. That's Alfredo Ortiz, who runs the Job Creators Network, and John Fon, from, formerly from the Wall Street Journal, now with National Review, a committee on life prosperity. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We've got a few minutes left, uh, Mr. Producer, to take a few calls. Uh, I want to remind people, if you want to call in, we just have a few minutes left, that the number is 1-800-848-9222. And I want your thoughts about what happened in China and these American companies that are genuflecting in front of these uh, tyrannical leaders that uh, are uh, really the opposite of the very principles that we believe believe in the United States. Mr. Producer, who is our first caller? We've got Rick from Elmwood Park. Rick, thanks for joining. Thanks for taking my call, Steve. Um, I studied climate science for eight years, so I can tell you CO2 okay. is not, not harmful to the planet. It's beneficial, and it's for it grows our food. The yeah, more CO2 it's necessary. we have, the less yeah. starving people we have. There's no. You're exactly right. I mean, without CO2, we would have no food. You know, CO2 is essential to life on the planet. It's like I'm so glad you called in, Rick. By the way, what what is your? You said you've been doing a lot of reading about this. What do you do for a living? I'm actually in construction, but I studied climate science so I can Good. bring the information <laughs> to the media because yeah. they won't tell you the truth. One yeah. Good thing. And CO2 doesn't control the temperature of the earth. Right now, the temperature has been falling since 2016. So the idea that rising CO2 levels is causing global warming isn't even true. Yeah, that's and in fact, it was a warmer decade in the 1930s before 90 percent of this carbon was put into the atmosphere. So, Rick, great call. I could not agree with you more. I think this is this is a propaganda campaign. I think it's an assault against free enterprise and free markets. It's an attempt by the left to control your life. Everything you can buy, as John Fund was just saying, and everything that business does. I think we might be able to squeeze in one or two more quick callers, but they've got to be fast. Mr. Producer, who's our next caller? Rocco from Saratoga. Okay, go ahead. Hello, Stephen. It's a pleasure. You're spot on. I'm not here to confront or antagonize you. That's disappointing, I'm sure, to you. But I agree totally. Biden, worst president ever, Michelle Obama. Watch out. She's going to come to the oh, Democrats. Oh, you, you think she might be their nominee? Yeah, they're white knight. How ironic. Oh, yes, my gosh. Positively. I run a hedge oh, fund, she's, Steve, so. You know, I hope you're wrong because she's very popular. If you look at the polls, people have a very positive opinion of Michelle Obama. So she might be tough. And then you'd have the Obamas back in the White House. That's kind of a scary thought to me. Yes. China is a scary thought. China is the worst. <laughs> our number one enemy. Yeah. Well, great call. Thank you so much. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more. Uh, this is the More Money Show, by the way. Uh, Mr. Caller, do we have one? Uh, Mr. Producer, we have one more caller we can squeeze in. Yeah, we got Max from Manhattan. Max, you're our last caller of the day. We only got a minute and a half left. What do you got for us? Perfect. Listen, I don't think we should be talking about electing Trump. We should be talking about paper ballots, because if we have paper yes. ballots, he will be elected. If we have electronic ballots, he will not be elected. You know, this is I meant to mention this with uh, John Fund and I forgot. I'm so glad you brought this up. And, and Trump talked a lot about this last night. Uh, if it's a clean election, I think Trump has a very good chance of winning. I really do. But, you know, one of the, John Fund just did a report showing that there are 25 states now that have something. Do you know what automatic voter registration is? No, I don't. 
It's where you all you have to do is go into a government office to get your driver's license, food stamps, uh, government benefits, and they automatically enroll you, register you to vote, and they don't ask whether you're a citizen. I mean, come on. That is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard of. Twenty-five states have done that, including states like Pennsylvania and some of these battleground states. So you are so right. Uh, we need to, and I'm sick and tired of our friends in the Democratic Party saying anytime we try to make sure that people are not illegally voting, they say we're suppressing the vote. No, we're trying to suppress the vote of people who don't have the right to vote in this country. Not the. I'm all in favor of people who are citizens and of age to vote and vote once. But folks, I think that there is so much fraud in the election that it's one of the reasons we have to make sure we're turning out our people. Um, and by the way, I'm not assuming everybody is a, a Republican listening to the show. I know we have a lot of independents and Democrats. All I'm saying is that we really need to have clean elections because when someone votes illegally, it's the same as stealing your vote. Folks, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I will be here next Saturday. I'm, I'm going to be on the air next week. Um, have a great one. This is the greatest country on earth. This is Steve Moore, and this is the More Money Show on WABC. This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. 77 WABC News starts now. 53 sunny on this Saturday, November 18th. Good afternoon. I'm Noam Layden. SpaceX.